We talking hoops season two. Let's go. What up, though? It's your coach. Who talks hoops the most? It's Coach Cam with the podcast flow. Jump shot is still wet and the podcast goes. Talking hoops all day, worldwide, across the globe, overseas to the league. Big 10 to the GLIAC, AU to high school and any gym that he at. Highlights, offers, who's about to transfer, was coach getting hired? Coach Cam's got the answer, he's that dude. Too cool, so smooth with the hoop news. Every week we talking hoops, this is season two. So buckle up for this ride, that's what you need to do. Cause we talking hoops, yeah. You already know what it is. It's the coach that knows hoops the most. Coach Cam, we back for another season. This is season number two. I'm coming at you live and direct. I had to come back for another season for you guys. You know, it took a few months off. Had some things going on. Changed cities. Got a new job. Uh, had a new baby born a few weeks ago. Brady. Uh, Brady Robert Nichols. He came in. He was nine pounds and two ounces. So he a big baby boy. So... You know, a lot of different changes going on. Had to take a couple months off so I could get right back to it. But, you know, Coach Cam, you know how I do it. We talk hoops, man. And before I really get into this segment to start off the pod, I really wanted to send my condolences to the Winston family here in Michigan. Uh, Big blow, big blow to uh, Michigan basketball. You know, the Winston family is a great family. And I know people say that in tragedy a lot. But if you're involved in athletics, if you're involved in basketball, especially high school basketball in the metro Detroit area, you've come across Big Reds and his sons. And, you know, to have the passing of Zachary Winston, uh, very unfortunate, very tragic. Um, Spent some time with him. He played for Reach for a little bit. Uh, Played at UAD, was was a sophomore, uh, playing at Albion. And they had just played Michigan State like two weeks ago. Um, so it was it was big headlines. Um, of course, it's very tragic what happened. Uh, but the one thing that I, that I really wanted to touch on was the fact that not only is he somebody's brother, he's somebody's former player. He's somebody's current player. He's somebody's teammate. He's somebody's classmate. That's somebody's cousin. Um, so let's remember him. Let's not remember him for who he's related to. Let's not remember him for... Uh, what happened let's remember him for the bright the the good things that he brought in our lives because I never I never knew the kid without a smile I mean every time I you know came in contact with him he always has a always had a smile was always energetic and you know he was just that type of kid I remember bringing him up to our elite camp when I was you know at that one school and uh, he, he did pretty well. He did pretty well, even though uh, I didn't think he performed at the GLIAC level. I knew he could be a college basketball player. And just for Big Reds to bring him up, that was a good look, too. Uh, but, you know, just want to send my condolences and my prayers to that family because uh, I know they're going through a hard one. I know Cash just gutted it out and played. He's better than me. I'm not sure if I could have played in that situation. But everybody's different, man. He's strong. He's one strong, real young man. And that was a tight group of brothers right there. And uh, Metro Detroit basketball took a blow, took a blow. Uh, just just I just want people that listen to this podcast to know that we love the Wimston family uh, and what they're doing for uh, Detroit basketball. I want to send my condolences and my prayers to them. Uh, and I don't want it to seem like this podcast is clickbait and none of that. I mean, it's genuine because I know Big Reg. Uh, he's, he's brought the kids to my gym numerous of times, and I've done the same. So just want to send my condolences out to uh, Zachary Winston, uh, who passed away. 
So of course I had to start to pot off like that. I had to send my condolences and you know, we gotta keep it moving. So we talking hoops, man. We back at us. Coach Cam, the coach that knows hoops the most, is back at us. So what we gonna talk about this season, uh, we talking hoops. What, what's gonna be the difference between season one and season two? Well, we've got a lot more basketball to cover. Uh, I started this podcast in the spring summer, so you only had a short window of basketball for uh, the NBA. College was already done. AAU and high school was pretty much already done. Uh, but now in the mix of November and snow, I mean, we got nine inches of snow. We got the hoodies on, the skellies here in the Midwest. We ready for some hoops, man. I know I am. When I when I see winter, when I see the snow, I'm thinking hoops, period. Football is done. I'm straight on football. You know, I'm still going to watch the NFL, Monday Night Football and all that. But it's all hoops, all day, 24-7, 365. So this season, you're going to hit a lot more content, basketball content. Episodes might be a little bit longer. I tried to keep it at 60 minutes last season. It might be at 90 minutes this season. It might be at two hours. Because what I'm going to try to do, I'm going to try to do some, some different things. Might pull up to some games. Might have some live feeds going on. Might show up to some tip-off classics and and give y'all some real insight to what's going on to hoops because I got a season to just do what I want to do you know what I'm saying I'm not going to be coaching I didn't already told them I ain't coaching this year I might do some shooting clinic stuff by the way my camp was a huge success uh, I told y'all to, to come and if you missed it you missed out but yeah I ain't coaching I ain't coaching this year ain't, ain't don't ask me it ain't happening all right, I'm taking care of my boys, taking care of my family, and I'm going to get out and I'm going to watch some practices, going to watch some games, so I can talk some more hoops. So it's going to be a lot of hoop content in season two. So where do we start off? Okay, I always like to start off with the NBA. And this season of the NBA, there is a lot of parity in the NBA, especially out west. All right, so through the first nine or ten game. You know, what are my early thoughts to the NBA season? Uh, the one thing that's standing out so far is the Los Angeles Lakers. Are they legit? Are the Los Angeles Lakers legit? And, you know, I've been talking to a few people and they're trying to figure this out. And the thing that I come up with is, yeah, right now they are. They're, they're pretty legit right now. Uh, LeBron's at 24, 11, and, and 7 a game. Uh, pretty strong numbers for somebody that's 35. AD is averaging 27 a game, 27 and 9. So, I mean... They're getting good production out of green. He's making shots. I mean, KCP, he can't throw the water in the ocean. Uh, Dwight Howard is pretty solid for them. He doesn't put up big numbers. But in that second group, he's really able uh, to really play a good role for them. He can protect the rim. He can rebound. He can run. Uh, I just I like what the Lakers are doing. I like what the Lakers are doing. I don't like LeBron at the point, though. I do not like LeBron at the point guard spot. Um, everything running through LeBron, I don't like that. But I will say... Uh, that they are making plays, and they're they putting up some big numbers. Had a chance to watch them against the Mavs, and it, LeBron and Luka was going at it. I mean, they were absolutely going at it, um, and LeBron had to make some big-time plays. I mean, the dunk that he had coming down the lane, man, he looked like Venice LeBron on that one. He looked like he was fresh out of St. Vincent, St. Mary's, coming right down the lane like with the headband on and the Adidas. Like, LeBron came through and just banged that thing, but... Uh, the Lakers looking pretty solid to start the season. You know, if they don't have the number one record right now, it's number one or two. So the Lakers, the Lakers are looking pretty good, like what the Lakers are doing. So other thoughts. I'm looking at the Warriors, and they're tanking. They're tanking. Look, Steph broke his hand, and he's out for the year. I don't think it would take a year for him to come back to surgery, but it's just like, 
on why would he come back on that team? So they basically, the Warriors is basically taking a red shirt year. We're going to take a red shirt year, and we're going to come back strong the next year and probably have a high draft pick. But they ain't, they ain't winning no games, even though I, I like Pascal. Pascal from Villanova, the, the, the rookie. He's either rookie or second year. He's a young player. Um, but he look he looks good, man. He looks real good. Draymond needs to be worried. Draymond needs to be worried because this man is athletic. He can put it on the floor. He can defend, rebound, and shoot it. Man, please. They might not they might be thinking about Draymond Green in the max like, uh, I don't know if we're ready to give you the max playboy. I don't know if we're ready for that. And you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if Pascal keeps putting up the numbers. He's been putting up the last three or four games. And Draymond Green gets a phone call to the office. And it's like, look, you're going to have to up your production or it's going to be hard for us to give you the max. So that's that's my uh, my take on the Warriors. Some other teams that I like right now early here in the NBA. Uh, Houston. I'm surprised by Houston. Uh, they have a pretty good record right now. I want to say they're third or fourth. Uh, the one thing about the West is only a game and a half that separates the first seed from the eighth seed. So, you know, you could talk about Houston. You could talk about Utah. You could talk about the Lakers and the Clippers. You know, it's only a game and a half. And they only played 10 games so far. So Houston, you know, I wanted to see how they would look with, you know, James Harden and Russell Westbrook. And James Harden is on fire. James Harden is on fire this year. He's averaging 37 points a game. Westbrook is, he's kind of not quite sure. Not quite sure. He's not shooting the ball very well. He's trying to find his spots because, you know, James Harden is just so ball dominant that four people watch him play a lot in their office. They stand and they watch him a lot. But the thing about having Russell Westbrook on that roster is that when they get to the second group, the end of the first quarter, start of the second quarter, end of the uh, the third quarter, start of the fourth quarter, he's able to play against second teamers. And I'm going to take Russell Westbrook over a second team guard in the NBA. I, I am. Uh, he just, he's got to find this three. I mean, he, he's not shooting the three ball very well. And they're just they're backing up on him. They're just saying, hey, you're going to have to make a three on us. And he has not been doing that consistently, even though he's still averaging in the 20s. Uh, per game for them so you know i like the rockets i like what they're doing they don't guard anybody though they don't play any defense they don't play any defense at all they're they're giving up 118 points per game which is a lot i want to say it's the the most in the nba that they're giving up uh but they're scoring 120 125 so their thing isn't about defense it's all offense and when you got one of the best offensive scores in the game in james harden you might not like his moves you might not might not lock like how the boy gets it done, but he gets it done, okay? He giving you a bit of that 37, step backs and all that. You know what I'm saying? When you walk in the gym, he giving you 30, just off rip. So you better have, you know, somebody coming for him. Uh, this past weekend, uh, this week, we got a chance to get the Clippers versus Houston. And I want to say Houston won the contest. And the one thing I didn't like about the Clippers was, what's up, Kawhi? You ducking smoke? It's Kawhi Leonard ducking smoke, y'all. Because he didn't want no parts of James Harden. He wanted no parts. By the, by the time the fourth quarter hit, this dude was guarding P.J. Tucker. So even though I like what the Clippers are doing, I like their roster, I, I like the, the way they've started the year, I do not like what Kawhi is doing. I don't like what Kawhi is doing. And we're going to cover the load management bit in a minute. But what, what, what the Clippers are doing with Kawhi, 
and they try to hide them on defense a little bit. It's just like, come on, man. Like, what's you, you can't the best players guard the best players. So you mean to tell me you can't guard James Harden in a clutch when it's when it's money time? He wanted no parts of James Harden, no parts. Harden was seeing him. Oh, he was. Oh yeah, that's a bucket. It's a bucket. Man. He can't guard me. So that was a good game to watch Houston and the Clippers this week in the NBA. Uh, you're starting to see some of the, the heavyweights starting to go at it now. And, and teams are starting to make their move like the Boston Celtics looking way better with Kimball Walker than they did with Kyrie Irving. I'm going to sip my tea. <sighs> that tea is good, man. Tastes like Boston tea because what Kimball Walker is doing is, is letting you know that Kyrie was the problem in Boston. In that offense, for what they were doing, Kyrie Irving did not fit in that offense. Kimball Walker does. Because Kimball Walker, the ball doesn't stick. He can play off the ball. He can give it up and get it back. He can play in transition. He don't need 30, 40, 50 dribbles uh, like Kyrie. In this offense, you got you to gotta understand Brad Stevens has never had a ball-dominant point guard like Kyrie. He's had a point guard like Kimball Walker, you know, guys that can score in multiple ways, not just with the ball in his hands, late shot clock with a ball screen. That's not how Kimball Walker is. Kimball Walker can get it in transition. He can get it off a ball screen. He can get it off a down screen, off the ball. Uh, very, very, very efficient score. He's averaging 26 a game for the Boston Celtics. And right now they got the best record in the East. Now, the thing that's going to hurt Boston is how do they go forward without Gordon Hayward being hurt the next three or four weeks or so? They want to say he's out. Uh, he's going to be out at least four weeks, could be longer. Uh, he's, he has surgery on his hand. And he was having a good year, man. I mean, him, Tatum, and Brown were all getting about 18 or 19 a game. And when you take 19 points off the board, who do you get it from on that roster? Marcus Smart? I mean, Marcus Smart is already getting 30 minutes. So the person that you probably need to up production from is Marcus Smart. So, you know, Brown and Tatum, instead of them getting 18 a game, they're going to they need to be in the 20s. So basically, Brown, Tatum, and Kimball Walker got to get you anywhere from 60 to 65 points a game, maybe even 70 uh, for them to be in the game. Then if they do, you're not going to beat them. Uh, but having that fourth person that they could go to uh, offensively for scoring was really huge. So I would like to see if Marcus Smart can up his productivity uh, instead of going from, you know, eight, nine points a game to maybe about 15 or 16 because he's going to be getting – somebody got to get his shots. Somebody got to get his shots. And we're going to see where they're going to where they're gonna land without Gordon Hayward. Uh, in the East, I want to say you have the top five teams that are a game and a half. You got Boston Celtics. You got the Sixers there. You got the Bucks there. Uh Indiana Pacers, they're there, right there in the mix. So you're going to see how that injury is going to change some things for Boston, but I, I like what they're doing. I really like what they're doing. They're playing up-tempo. Uh, they're letting their wings get out there and make plays. Uh, I like that. I like what I like what Boston is doing. I like what Boston is doing. So that's another team that I'm 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 liking in this early NBA season. What else are we gonna talk about? Load management. Okay, listen. Here's my take on load management. Stop being a punk. I would say something else, but you know I have some some other people that listen to this podcast, and I try to keep it as you know censored as possible. But stop being a punk. Stop not playing back-to-backs and just play the game. 
Stop trying to save it for the offseason and you blaming it on AAU and they playing four or five games in a day. No, they not. Stop blaming load management on the games they was playing 10 years ago as 14, 15, 16-year-olds. That ain't the case. I'm in AAU. I'm in travel basketball. It ain't too many tournaments where you playing five games in a day. And if you're playing five games in a day, that means it's a very good tournament. And that means you have a very good team. Okay, when you go to Spice, if you win Spice, yeah, you might play four or five games in a day. But guess what? You got 10 killers, and they built for that. And then guess what? They might take the next weekend off, and they might only play one game on Saturday and maybe two games on Friday. So don't give me this like they playing 20, 30, 40 games in a weekend. They not, okay? They really not. And to say that Lowe's management comes from the backs of them playing a bunch of games when they was AAU, that ain't it. Okay, those high level players we talk about, we're not talking about the Jimmy Johns of the world that played Division three and never played the NBA. We're talking about high level players, which means they played high level AAU. I've yet to see a high level AAU team play five games in the weekend. Last I checked, EYBL, they played maybe four or five games back in the three day span. Same thing goes for the UAA. Same thing goes for Adidas. It's against NCAA rules to play over a certain amount of games. So to say they play four or five games in a day, I ain't buying it. Stop blaming AAU. And all these people that want to come back, Kobe included, LeBron included, want to talk about AAU. AAU is not the problem. AAU has nothing to do with load management. Load management means you just trying to save your body for the offseason or save your body for the playoffs. Make the playoffs first. Now, all of a sudden, Kawhi, he don't want to play back-to-backs. Now, he, he with the Clippers. And they say he's been doing this since 2017. Man, don't ever mention Kawhi Leonard being compared to MJ. MJ played a game. Not every game, a game. All right? Wasn't no low management in the 90s. Now, I'm not the one to compare these days of age to the 90s. I ain't that guy. Okay? That ain't me. That ain't how I roll. However... OK, at least the guys in the 90s, they played every day. But the reason why these guys, these load management is they making too much money. They make it too much money. So they don't want to put their bodies on the line, make it too much money. And then all of a sudden they can't cash in on it. They want to make as much money for as long as possible. They don't want to have the Derrick Dear, Rose situation where he tears his ACL a couple times and now he got to fight his way back in the league on a four or five million dollar deal. Okay, Kawhi Leonard, it's like, man, I can mess around and get two max deals. I get a max deal from Clippers and when they done, I get another max deal if I load management, if I watch my minutes throughout the season. Man, forget all that. Play the games. Play the games. So you NBA players that's, that want to have load management and watch your minutes and watch the games you've been playing, it's weak. It's soft, and I don't like it. I don't like it. As a player, you play the game. You know what I'm saying? Like Herm Edwards said, you play to win the game. That's exactly what you do. And you guys talking about this load management. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not because of AAU and travel basketball. It's because these NBA guys got way too much money and they got people in their ears like, hey man, you need to hold off. You know what I'm saying? We need to make it to the playoffs so we can get another contract, so we get the shoe deal. It's got everything else to do with that and not just playing the game. These guys need to lace them up and play the game. So that's just my take on load management. Hey, man, cut all that out. Play the games. You know what I'm saying? And now they're talking about when Paul George come back. Now some games Paul George will play and Kawhi won't play. And then some games Kawhi will play. And, man, that's whack. That's whack. Lace them up, play the game, and roll the dice and see how it rolls. Another team that I've been looking at 
a little bit. Uh, the Clippers. Uh, we talked about the Clippers before. Uh, the, the thing that intrigues me about the Clippers is that they're playing well without Paul George. I would like to see how they play with Paul George, how they mix him in. Uh, but you got some guys on that team that's been making plays. Pat Beverly, he was a five-star out of Chicago, out of Illinois. Okay, He went to Alabama, and he was first-team All-SEC as a freshman. Okay, He's not some bum that all he do is check. Now, even though that's his niche now, like he just figured it out. Okay, I'm just going to be, you know, a pest on defense and I'm just going to sit down and check. Um, I mean, he, he still can play. So, you know, when you see him drop 16, you see him drop 18, maybe even 20, don't be surprised. I mean, he can play. I mean, he's an NBA player for a reason. He was a four or five star out of Illinois for a reason. Average 48 points a game for a reason. Like the kid can play. He just knows that, I mean, everybody can't be a scorer. Everybody can't be LeBron. So what's my niche? How am I going to stay on a roster for 10, 15 years? And, and he, he very well might do that. Uh, but just know that he's a player. He's a player. He ain't some some scrub. Now, you know, the other night, you know, Big Russell, Big Homie called him out and said, man, he don't be checking nobody. But, you know, Russ is always, he like to always add, you know, controversy because ain't nobody talking about James Harden and his defense. So, you know, pump your brakes about talking about people and who they check. Um you know, he, he just basically, he, he's one of those guys, Pat Bevs is one of those guys that if he's on your team, you love him. If he's on the other team, you hate him. Those are, those are guys the coaches like. Coaches like guys like that that people hate. Like, man, I can't stand this dude, but I love him to be on my team because he goes hard all the time. Every time they play, he goes hard. So I can respect that. Um, I can also respect what Lou Williams is doing still, still getting buckets. You know, Harrell is, is very good defensively and on the glass. Uh, Shamet can shoot the ball. He, he can fill it up a little bit. They, they got some pieces. The Clippers got some pieces. Would like to see how uh, Paul George fixed with the mix. I don't like the whole ma- low management Kawhi is doing. I, I, I'm not feeling it. But, you know, uh, the Clippers, I like what the Clippers are doing. Uh, probably the, the team that's the most disappointing for me so far is the Portland Trailblazers. The Portland Trailblazers, uh, when you look at their roster, you would think they would be much better than they are. But actually, when you look a little deeper into the roster, you see why they're struggling. They're under 500 right now. If the playoffs started tomorrow, they wouldn't be in it. And they needed some help. Dame is probably having statistically his best season as a Blazer. He's averaging 33 points a game. He's shooting 50 from the floor. He's shooting 40 from three. And he's shooting 91 from the free throw line. That's what you want. But he's only giving you six assists a game. So even though he's a high-level scorer, he's not giving double digits assists. Because he ain't got nobody else that can score outside of C.J. McCollum, who's averaging 19 a game, which is down from last year. I mean, now you got teams that are eyeing on both of these guys. You got a two-guard backcourt. But that's it. You got nobody you're bringing off the bench. Kent Bazemore was, was – you can sell on that. That wasn't a good pickup from Atlanta for them. They haven't gotten much out of him – uh, offensively. So it's basically the Dame show. Dame got to score 40, 45 points, 50 for them to be in the game and win. So <clears throat> you know what bad teams end up doing, right? They go and get help. So the one thing that, that just came up tonight as I'm recording this podcast, a re-record at that because had to go back and it's just so much content. I'm either got to just put it out or just like wait to to the right day because it's always something going on basketball wise hoop season. However, they went and got some help. They they went and got the boy Melo, and I'm not talking about Lamelo Ball. I'm talking about Carmelo number fifteen. 
or number seven now. My bad. It used to be fifteen with with uh, with the Nuggets, but Carmelo Anthony. They signed Carmelo Anthony to a non guaranteed deal, and usually what a non guaranteed deal is is we'll sign you. Um, and we'll pay you for your games, but it's not guaranteed. So we can cut you at any time. It's almost like buying a used car. Like, it's good until it breaks down. So we're just going to try it out and see what he's going to do. Um, I'm rooting for him, though. I'm rooting for Carmelo. I, th- I thought he should have been in the league. I, I thought he was going to end up with the Lakers somehow, the Lakers or, the, or, the, or Golden State. But Golden State is taken, so they don't need no help. Uh, but, but yeah, going to like to see what Portland is going to do with Carmelo because they, they needed some help. I mean, they have a seen white side, but I mean, he's okay. You know, he gets it done on both ends of the floor, but he's kind of like Andre Drummond. I mean, he, he gets rebounds. He has a presence, but he isn't an all-star. He isn't somebody that you need to respect in that end, even though he does a good job. I mean, he gets good stats and plays hard, but it's just like, yeah, he ain't white side. Like he wasn't doing what he was doing with Miami. Okay, now, if he, if he was doing for the Blazers like he was doing in Miami, their record probably would reflect that, but he's not. Okay, he's putting up solid numbers, but nothing just out of the park. So, you know, you throw Melo in that mix and just let him loose, man. Let him loose. I, I want to see that high ball screen with, with Melo and Dame, with, with CJ coming off on the other side. How you guarding that? How you guarding it? Okay, you're going to have a hard time trying to guard those three guys. So I'm rooting for Portland right now. But as the first portion of this season, I'm just really disappointed on how the Blazers have played. Because when you have two all-star guards like CJ and Dame, you would think you would have enough pieces around to make a good team. And actually, they do not. Now, there have been some injuries that have been dealing with in the NBA that's been uh, pretty prevalent. He has some pretty big injuries to some stars. You know, the Pelicans, I like the roster the Pelicans have, but them not being able to use Zion Williamson after the preseason he had, and we're going to talk about him being played in the preseason uh, another day, but however, him being injured now, and he was injured at Duke, and he was injured before he got to Duke, is is, is saying something. I, I'm not sure if he needs to drop a couple pounds, but he needs to be on the floor because guess what? The Pelicans didn't found them a superstar. While Zion was on the bench, they found out that Brandon Ingram, who we he he's a superstar. He's dropping 35 and 40 on folks, and it's like, whoa, we knew Brandon Ingram was good, but we didn't know he was that good. We didn't know he was this good. So Zion going down gave Brandon Ingram more of a spotlight. Boy, is he taking advantage of that. You know, I thought Lonzo Ball would have a better showing than um, your boy Brandon Ingram. But the boy's been putting on the show and the Pelicans have found out, oh, man, we got a superstar in our hands and we got to make sure we handle this correctly the right way or it can go left. All right, so you had some other injuries. Of course, Steph went down. He's not returning back for the year. Kyle Kuzma, he started off the year. He's only played a couple games. He's just now coming back. Detroit Pistons, I really like the roster Detroit Pistons have, but Blake Griffin hasn't played yet. I want to say he played his first games this weekend, this week, Monday, against the Timberwolves. I think the Timberwolves won 120 to 118 or 115, something like that. And uh, Blake Griffin, we want to see, I want to see how the Pistons look, you know, healthy. They don't have Reggie Jackson, which is good, because I'm not a huge Reggie Jackson fan. Derrick Rose has been balling. 
He has been balling. He's looking like he's going to be the sixth man of the year the way that he's, he keeps playing. But with Reggie Jackson being hurt and uh, the other guards for the Pistons being hurt, and now that you have to start Derrick Rose instead of bringing him off from the second team, big difference. Okay, him scoring 20 in the second group is a big difference to him scoring 20 in the first group. Him scoring 20 in the first group means that the Pistons are winning. If he can score 20 points a game in the first group, the Pistons are winning. Him scoring 20 in the second group, okay, means it's coming with less minutes. It means somebody else in the first group is being more productive, and he don't have to play 30 minutes a game. Him in the first group, he's going to have to play 30 minutes a game. Derrick Rose, he needs to be playing 20, 25 minutes a game and still getting 20, 25 points, which he has been doing, but I don't like him starting because now he got to do that against the starters. And these young point guards, they acting the fool. And I don't know if he could do that against the young point guards. I know he could do it from the guys in the second group. So I want to take a look at the Pistons, how they look with Blake Griffin. Because Drummond, Drummond been putting up big numbers. And it had an argument over this this weekend about Andre Drummond and, and that he can't score. And then I'm like, well, you like Ben Wallace? Well, he's not Ben Wallace. Well, why can't he ben, be Ben Wallace? Why can't he just be a rebounder and a defender and be a high-level rebound defender? He's getting 13 rebounds a game, 14 rebounds a game. He top, he's been top three rebound the last three years. Why isn't that applauded? Because he can't give you 30 every night? I'm taking 20 and 20. I'm good with that. But most people, they just, they want him to be a superstar. He ain't Luciana's superstar. Let him be what he is. He's a star. He's 26 years old. He's 26 years old. So he ain't nowhere near his prime. 25 years old, something like that. He's still young. For a guy like that that could get 14 rebounds a game, I mean, he might not get 25. But... A guy that can get 14 rebounds a game can change your team. So stop trying to turn him into an all-star and let him be the good player that he is. So I'm looking forward to watching the Pistons this year. I'm a Detroit home seven mile all day, baby. I'm all day Detroit basketball. You know what I'm saying? That's me all day. So I'm really looking forward to watching more Pistons games this year and seeing how they do. My big surprise. So Coach Camps. Big surprise of the NBA season, the first 10 games, is the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns, without DeAndre Aiden. So DeAndre Aiden has to sit 20, 25 games because of uh, perform performance-enhancing drugs or whatever he got caught for. Uh, and they look, they look good without him. I mean, Devin Booker's looking like an all-star. He's looking like a max player. And he ain't even 25 yet. I want to say 23, 22, 22, 23. Man, he dropping 30s and 40s on everybody. And I had a chance to watch them play the Clippers. And I want to say he had 33 on the Clippers. And I want to say he had like 13 at the first half, 13, 14 points. And the Clippers came out in the second half, and they put Pat Pat Bev on him. And they put Kawhi on him. And he was still getting loose. And that's when I knew, man, Booker is a problem. Booker is a problem. If he can put 30 on the best defenders in the league, he that's a, that's a really good player because there ain't a whole lot of guys that's doing that. So the Phoenix Suns, the Phoenix Suns are my biggest surprise. Uh, and I, they, Ricky Rubio is, is playing well for them at the point guard spot, and they got some other pieces. And I like what the Phoenix Suns is doing, man. I like what they're doing. They got, I want to say they're 6-3. and three. They're 6-3. It's four teams tied at 6-3 and three out west. It's three teams at seven and two, and one team at seven and one. So I mean, like I said, it's a game and a half between team number one and team number eight. And my biggest surprise so far in this early NBA season is the Phoenix Suns. We still talking NBA hoops. Like I said, I'm gonna give you some content to talk about on your drive to work, on your drive to school, and while you're just chilling around and you want to listen to some basketball. Now we talked about the West, but we haven't really covered the East. And what I'm gonna tell you right now. The three teams to book the beat right now in East 
are the Philadelphia 76ers, the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Boston Celtics. Those three teams right there, that's the East. That's the East. So it could either be the Celtics, the Bucks, and the Sixers. Let's talk about the Sixers, okay? Ben Simmons has still been playing very well, even though he hasn't shot a three. So all summer, he did all this, these workouts, and he did all these clips about him shooting and making three, and he ain't did it yet. He ain't did it yet. But the tandem of him and Embiid is hard to stop because Embiid can score on the block. He can stretch the D a little bit and make some threes and make some, make some jump shots. And, I mean, they really got it. And the, the glue for them is Tobias Harris. That was a huge sign in this offseason. Tobias Harris is just a bucket getter. He's a bucket getter. He's a defender. He's a rebounder. He just does it all for the Sixers. You know what I'm saying? And Horford just brings that staple in form at the center spot when Embiid is tripping. And they can play Horford and Embiid if they want to get big. I mean, they can put a lineup out there with Embiid, Horford, Simmons, uh, Tobias Harris, and I want to say, I forget who the other guard is, but you talking about length? Man, that's some length. The Sixers look really good so far here in the early, and uh, Greek freak for the Bucks. I mean, come on, man. I mean, the little play that they run with, they run him up a pipe screen off the baseline. They give him the rock at the top of the key, and they clear out. They put shooters in the corner, and ain't much you can do about that. I thought the Bucks would struggle this year without Brogdon because Brogdon was another score for them. But, I mean, the Greek freak has just been hard to stop. You know, I had a chance to watch them against Houston, and they were down 18, and the Greek Freak just took the game over because Houston don't play no defense in the first place. The Greek Freak was going at them. They had P.J. Tucker had wanted no parts. P.J. Tucker wanted no parts of the Greek Freak. And Giannis Antetokounmpo, man, that kid is a stud. He's a stud. He's going to put up MVP-type numbers. I'm not sure if he's going to win it, but he's going to put up MVP-type numbers, and the Bucks are going to be right there in the East. Because they looking good, man. They looking really good. Chris Middleton is shooting the ball really well. Brooke Lopez is, is a presence for them inside and out. I mean, they, they got a nice strong, but they bringing George Hill off the bench. So instead of starting George Hill, they bringing him off the bench. And he's been pretty productive off the bench. And Eric Bledsoe, has been, he's been pretty good this early season. He's being able to make shots. He's being more of a point guard facilitator. And just give him Greek freak the ball and just, just have him just, hey, man, move out of his way. The Greek freak, man, he's, he's putting up MVP-type numbers. Has only been nine or ten games. But, I mean, the Greek freak has been going at it. You know, those are the three teams I wanted to talk about in the Easter Conference. One thing that I don't like in the early NBA season is this coach's challenge. Hey, man, come on, son. Come on, son. The coach's challenge? Like, for real? You got coaches challenging a foul. Coaches challenging a block or a charge. First of all, slowing the game down. Second of all, like, it's calls that don't even really affect the game. A call in the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter. Like, come on, man. Like, get rid of the challenge, man. Save that for football. I don't want to see no coaches challenge in the NBA. And the last thing I'll talk about. No, I want to say it's not the last thing. I got a few more things to cover. Okay, like I said, I got a lot of content for you guys. So some stock boosters. All right, early season, 10 games, stock boosters. We talked about the Greek Freak. The Greek Freak stock is really high. So buy on the Greek Freak right now. Don't sell. Buy on the Greek Freak and send on it because he's playing at a high level. Devin Booker. We talked about Devin Booker. Buy on him. He has been playing at an extremely high level, playing out west. He's got, if they play outside tomorrow, they'll be playing in it. And Devin Booker, he's looking really good at the point guard spot, being able to create and make plays. He ain't just a shooter, okay? He's a playmaker, and he shoots it at a high level. Devin Booker, his stock is really high. Two other guys whose stock right now is really high. One guy I haven't mentioned yet. 
and he's a second-year player out of the Atlanta Hawks program. Trey, not so young, okay? I watched him against the Pistons. He was giving them guards fits. I want to say he dropped 38 on them. I mean, he getting 30 points. He getting 10 assists. He getting eight rebounds. Like, Trey Young looking really polished this early season. Really polished. I mean, he's playing with pace. He's shooting the ball well beyond the three-point line. Shooting it with range. He's getting guys open. He's able to hit John Collins on them duck downs. And he's able to find shooters in the corner. Cam Reddish and those guys. Vince Carter coming off the bench. I mean, the, the Atlanta Celtics is a team to watch out east. Even though their record doesn't reflect it. Trey Young and the Hawks. They're gonna be a they're gonna be a team to deal with. They are going to be a team to deal with, especially Trey Young. And if they had a sophomore of the year, he would win it. I talk about a, a second year rookie uh, award. The I mean, he he's got to be the best second year player right now. Trey Young, Trey Young has been phenomenal, phenomenal to start the season. So I'm looking to see what the Hawks are gonna do and how they handle Trey Young because he's playing like a max player. And he's just his second year. I don't think the boy can buy a drink. Can he buy a drink? I don't think he's 21. If he is. He just turned it. He's really young. And the league needs to be scared that he's only 20, 21, 22 years old because he could be doing this for a long time. Looking forward to watching Trey Young the rest of this year. And one segment I want to do this year is uh, for the NBA. Who's that rookie? I'm just going to spotlight different rookies, rookies I've seen, and not necessarily the rookie of the year, but just different guys that you just don't know. Like, who is that guy? You know what I'm saying? I, I haven't heard of this guy. And, th and this segment, this this uh, episode, who's that rookie is Kendrick Nunn out of Miami. Had one of the hottest starts of anybody in the NBA. Uh, notice he, he played really well without Jimmy Butler, with Jimmy Butler being hurt. So I would like to see how he still puts up these big numbers. I mean, he was getting 20, 22, 23, he even dropped 30 here and there to start to see. Smooth lefty, played at Oakland University at Greg Campney here in Michigan. But he was a four-star, five-star prospect out of high school. All right, just got in a little trouble and had to go a different route. But, I mean, he was he was a dog at Simeon High School. So it wasn't like he wasn't a high-level player. It's just that he ended up at Oakland and other teams didn't know about him. But, I mean, Kendrick Nunn is a player. Okay, he's a player. So hopefully he can keep this up the rest of the year because he's playing at an extremely high level, extremely high level for someone who went either undrafted or drafted in the second round. I mean, he's playing really, really well. All right. So he's out of Chicago. He played at Oakland University, Division One school here in Michigan. And he's a rookie you need to watch out for. But I want to see how the dynamic plays with him and Jimmy Butler. So they kind of play the same game, the same position a little like. And I don't think he's going to be getting the same shots he was without Jimmy Butler, with Jimmy Butler. So I would like to look at his stats now that Jimmy Butler is active and playing for the Miami Heat as opposed to when he wasn't. And it was just him and the Tyler Hero Show. It's another guy I'm going to talk about from Kentucky, a uh, guard from Wisconsin. Uh, Tyler Hero is pretty good. But Kendrick Nunn, get, know that name, write it down. Not sure if you want to get him for fantasy just yet. I mean, he's had some really good games. Not sure if he's going to put those same fantasy numbers that he did before with Jimmy Butler. But that's a really good rookie to watch out with going forward. We back, man. That was my NBA take for this week. A couple of thoughts on how the early season in the NBA is, has taken off after 10 games. But my favorite sport out of them all has to be college basketball. And the reason why it's college basketball is because it's so unpredictable. 
So unpredictable. You never know what you're going to get. A team that always starts first doesn't always win the national championship. There's always going to be a team that's ranked in the top 10 that's going to end up not ranked in the top 25. There's always going to be a team that you didn't know about that as the season progresses, you'd be like, man, this team is really, really good. And part of the reason why I'm re-recording this episode, because I recorded it four or five days ago, is because I talked about a couple teams and and they, they came up they came up short this week and, and one of them came up short and didn't bounce back. All right, so let's talk about the championship classic uh, that we had not even maybe 10 days ago. All right, this is season two, episode one. So I can talk about everything that's happened in college basketball so far because I haven't touched it. Okay, Champions Classic, you had Duke versus Kansas and you had Michigan State versus Kentucky. The Blue Bloods are the Blue Bloods. Okay, so these teams, high level players, high level teams going at it. So the two games that we had, we had Kansas versus Duke. Okay, in that game, you had Trey Jones. Trey Jones had a pretty decent game, even though they lost. Kansas ended up beating them, I want to say 66, 64, 63. It was in a close game. But, I mean, it was sloppy, a lot of fouls, a lot of turnovers. Wasn't really impressed by both teams. Even though I think both will probably be top two or three in their league this year, just wasn't really impressed with the game. And, you know, everybody really wanted to see the next game, which was Michigan State and Kentucky. And we learned some things about Michigan State. We learned some things about Kentucky. All right, the thing that we learned about Kentucky is he has a guard coming off the bench, Maxie. That is really, really good. You know, Hagen's is good. I mean, they got some really good guards. They got some long wings, you know, and Kentucky has a mixture of guys that are coming back for a second or third year and some high-level freshmen like Keon Brooks and Khalil Whitley, Whitney out of uh, Chicago. Um, high-level players, high-level players. High-level programs, they're at Kentucky. Kentucky got players. They got players. And they went at they, they went at Michigan State. They did. They put it to them. They wasn't scared. They went right at Michigan State. And and usually Michigan State, that's their thing. That's their MO. They usually just out-tough teams. These are out-physical teams. But they couldn't out-physical uh, Kentucky. Kentucky really wanted They went at them. That was a tough game by Kentucky. They really wanted it. They really wanted for a guard to come off the bench and score 25-plus. I mean, that, I mean, that says enough right there. But Kentucky was going at Michigan State. This is the first time I saw Michigan State and thought, wow, like they're struggling. Like they're struggling. Like I, I don't know how this team is going to look in, in the next couple of weeks when the Big Ten season starts. And it's the first time in Tom Izzo's career he's been preseason ranked number one. Okay, they had him winning, winning it all. The whole thing. They they picked Michigan State in Vegas to win it all. <coughs> they picked Michigan State in Vegas to win it all. This never happened in Izzo's career. So it, is it is it panic time for Michigan State? It, it were they overrated? Well, they weren't overrated, and I don't think it's panic time. Two things. The thing about Michigan State is this. They always play a tough schedule in the beginning, which is the reason why they can always do well in the Big Ten tournament later on in February and in March. It's because they know exactly what they need to work on. They play the best teams out there. I mean, in the ACC crossover, they're going to play Duke. So, I mean, they're going to play the best. They ain't not ducking from nobody. That's the one thing I do respect about Izzo. He ain't ducking from no smoke. He going to play you. And he going to find out about his team. And what we found out about this Michigan State team is that even though they have a little bit of depth, 
Cassius Winston is the guy that drives the car for them. They play too slow. They play way too slow for my liking. In this game, when they play Kentucky, they play way too slow. Okay, Kentucky did a good job, you know, of scoring and make sure that they couldn't get in transition. Uh, but, I mean, Michigan State just ran too much. They ran too many sets. You know, they 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 really deliberately tried to get Cassis involved too much. They never really adjusted to how Kentucky was guarding ball screens. They were dragging ball screens the whole night, and they never adjusted. You know, the, the one thing Michigan State lacks is an outside shooter. You would think it would be Rocket Watts, but he's so scared he don't want to shoot the ball. He just want to be on the floor. That's not the Rocket Watts I know. That's not the Rocket Watts you know. That's not the guy that averaged 26 a game in the EYBL. I don't, this watch we watching is Mark Watts. This ain't Rocket Watts. Rocket Watts is a bucket. In this offense, he don't get the opportunity to show that because he don't have the ball in his hands, one. Two, he's stuck in the corner. He's stuck in the corner waiting for somebody to make a play for him. And then three, when he gets a chance to actually make a play, he don't necessarily make the right one. When he's supposed to make the, the open, shoot the open three, he drive it. When he's supposed to drive it, he shoot the open three. So it's just kind of like he's still a freshman trying to figure it out. But a guy like Rocket Watts, you got to put him in transition to be able to make plays. And not even just him. Him, Aaron Harry, Gabe Brown, Xavier Tillman, like Bingham. Like these are guys, they, they can score. They can make plays in transition. Like you bottling them up. In the half court, and that's why they struggled against Kentucky. So if the game is in the 60s for Michigan State, chances are you got a chance to win. If Michigan State can find a way to get some up-tempo, to get some transition, to get other guys involved outside of Kansas Winston, because you know Kansas is going to give you 20 to 25. He ain't giving you 30 to 35 because he don't need to. You don't want him to. You don't want a guy like Cassius scoring 30. You want a guy like Cassius getting between 18 and 25 a game for points, getting six between between six and, and 10 or 11 assists a game, and four or five rebounds. They don't really need him to rebound. Four or five rebounds to add to the mix. Okay, so we learned that Michigan State, like if you slow them down, which they're very capable of doing, and just had just strictly a half-court team, they can't beat you in a half-court like that, at least not the high-level teams. Okay, so Michigan State, speed up the tempo, man. Pick it up, Izzo. Let the dogs off the loose. Let Rocket Watts go. Let Mark Watts be Rocket Watts. Right now, he Mark Watts. I want to see Rocket Watts. I want to see these guys play in transition. And I want to see Cassius play on the same side as Rocket, too. He always crossed the court in transition, and it might seem like a slight, but, you know, whatever. But what I'm saying is Michigan State needs to pick up the tempo. They play too slow. They run too many set. Let the players play. You got players. Michigan State, you have players. Let them play. And with that being said, this week they played Seton Hall. So I just had the opportunity to finish watching the Seton Hall game. And Seton Hall is number 12 in the country. And if you don't know who Seton Hall is, you'd be like, why, why is this even a game? Like, why is it even close? Well, they're ranked. 12th in the country for a reason. They're undefeated for a reason. Their top returning player averaged 23 and a half a game for a reason. It was 24 agents at the game for a reason. Seton Hall can play. They're going to be top three in the Big East at least. They might win the Big East this year, even though, I mean, you still got Xavier that's going to be pretty good. And you got a couple other teams that's going to be right there in the mix. Villanova, one of them for sure. But Seen all is good. This guy Malik Powell 
Oh, my God. I just watched him put 37 on Michigan State, and it was nothing that they could do about it. Nobody can guard him. Cash couldn't guard him. Rocket Watts couldn't guard him. Gabe Brown couldn't guard Whoever they put on him, he was just giving them. He was just giving it to him. By the time the end of the game came, he just ran out of gas and just couldn't really deliver. And, you know, conditioning comes apart in the playing basketball. You know, recruits, make sure your conditioning level is able for you to be able to play 40 minutes if you have to when your team needs you and still be able to score 40. If they had 40, they would have won the game. He had 37. But <clears throat> Seton Hall is pretty good. So in this game, back and forth, Seton Hall is up four. Michigan makes a run. Michigan State is up four or five. Seton Hall comes down, bang, bang, three. Now they're up two. I mean, for an early, early season game for two ranked teams, really, really, really good game. And the thing that I liked about Michigan State that they did this game, they fought. Okay, they didn't do the same thing against Kentucky. They kind of folded in, in some places against Kentucky. Against Seton Hall, what they did was they fought, they scratched, they clawed, and even when Cassius Wins only had four points at halftime, he still finished the game with 22 points. That means he scored 18 in the second half, which means they got it done. They started playing in transition more. Okay, now they scored in the 70s. They won the game 74 to 71 or 75, 72. I think they won by three. We were talking about a, a foul or defense situations with three three seconds left in the game. Um, but Michigan State, I liked out. They, they mixed in some more transition. Uh, I would say that they were listening to this podcast, but I ain't released it yet. So, you know, hopefully Izzo ears was ringing. Maybe they went back and looked at the tape like, okay, guys, we got to get some players, some opportunity to play. And Hall, this Hall kid, Michigan State guy, they might have found them a gem. They might have found them a more skilled Kenny Goins. And he's wearing the same number. He had 16 points off the bench. He only missed two, two or three shots. He was huge in this game because they couldn't find any offense from anywhere else. He was huge. Of course, Cassius Winston ended up getting going, and they had a couple guys in the mix there. But he was huge. And, and the more that this guy starts coming along, the less Bingham will play. And even though I like what Bingham did in the Champions classes against, against Kentucky and early season and the couple games that they've played, I want to say they played Binghamton, but that's not even really a Division One team, if you ask me. But... The more that this Hall kid plays, the less Bingham is going to play. And if Bingham isn't going to play, he's going to be out of there. He's talking about a guy that's 6'10", that can put the ball on the floor, can stretch it, and can get to the rim, duck and dive, and he ain't playing? Yeah, he out of there. He out of there. <coughs> he ain't going to be sticking around for too much longer because kids want to play. They don't want to be sitting down. They want to play. And hopefully, you know, Rocket Rocks can pick up his productivity, you know, but he's playing. He's playing 25, 20, 25 minutes a game, so he ain't stressing, but – you know, uh, Brown and Bingham, something's got to happen. They should be in the mix. They should be in the mix. And I didn't really see them in the rotation as much as I did the, the first couple of games. So even though Michigan State pulled it out, they won by three. It was a tough, gritty win. Uh, I, I liked how they played more, they more tempo. I liked the tempo, better tempo for Michigan State. That's how this is going to be th how they win games. They're not going to win the games in the 50s and 60s. This ain't 2003. This ain't 2000. Okay, you need to be scoring in the 80s. You need to be 75-plus, you know, 80 points per game to be able to win nowadays. You got to be able to score. I mean, it's the name of the game. You got to put the ball in the hole. So I like what Michigan State did uh, against Seton Hall uh, this evening. We talking hoops. That was my college take this week. Just talked about D1 basketball, D2 basketball. Even mixed in some JUCO in there. 
some some teams and some levels, some guys that you probably haven't heard of or pay attention to that you need to. But that's college hoops for you, baby. Glad to see Michigan State bounce back and get another win, even though they dropped in Kentucky. So they're two and one. Uh, so instead of being one in the country, they're number two. So uh, like to see that. And, you know, we talking hoops, man. So the one thing uh, that I do like about this pod, we don't just talk about uh, one specific type of basketball. OK. We talk about hoops all around hoops. College basketball, NBA basketball, high school basketball. And the reason why I could talk about all of these levels is, just, of course, I watch a lot of basketball. But I also, you know, I played overseas for a little bit. wasn't very long. I, I played college basketball at Division II Saginaw Valley State. I played high school basketball at Detroit Cass Tech. Uh, High-level team. I had six players on my team. Played Division I sports. Because uh, a couple guys played football, uh, six or seven. I actually think it was seven if you count football. But <clears throat> I'm able to talk about all three levels because I've been in, involved, whether I've been playing or I've been coaching uh, a lot of different levels. I've coached JUCO. I've coached AAU. I've coached high school. I've coached college. You know, I've played high school. I've played college. So I can give you, you know, a whirlwind of basketball knowledge, basketball take. And hopefully you guys, you know, like listening every week to my takes on basketball because they're not going to be I'm going to have a couple gems in there. I'm going to have some things that I talk about this podcast. Nobody else is talking about. And the one thing I want to talk about, you know, going into my high school segment, because, you know, not enough people talk about high school on podcasts, which I'm going to do more of this year, is the fact that uh, Michigan as the number one player in the country, regardless of class, and they put him front page of Sports Illustrated. I'm talking about Imani Bates, sophomore wing out of Ypsilanti Lincoln, just won a state championship this last year, averaged around 30 points a game as a freshman, something we've never seen before. We've never seen a freshman come in the state, average 30 and win a state title. Not at the class A level. It might have happened class C. Chris Weber might have did something crazy like that in class B or C. But we have not seen a freshman come in and dominate class A like he did. You can say Josh Jackson, but again, Josh Jackson was class C. Dominated and won it all. <coughs> won it all. And he's fully intent on staying here for the four years. And why not? What do you got to go somewhere else for? Now, I know you can, you understand that he might go somewhere else and get some different competition, some better competition, but he don't need competition. He going to get all the teams that he needs to get during the high school year here in Michigan. He going to get the best teams because everybody want to play him. One. And then two, he already number one in the country. What do you got to prove? What well, he don't have to prove anything. If, if anything, all the scouts and everything going to come to Michigan. They going to come see him. And he's selling out Eastern Michigan. Like, I like what Imani Bates is doing. I like the fact that he's staying home for right now. For right now. You know, of course, the national media is going to want him to be at IMG. They're going to want him to be at Oak Hill so they can put his games on ESPN and make money off his likeness because he's a high school kid. But if he stays in Michigan, he, him and his family is the people that make the money off of him. <clears throat> Just think about it. If he was at Oak Hill, 
Nike making money off of him. Now they're doing commercials. Well, they can't really do commercials, but now they, they got games on ESPN. They selling out arenas. They selling out stadiums. Where that money going? LeBron said to himself, he made quite a few people millionaires off the games he was playing out in high school, and he didn't get a dime. Now, that's not ultimately true. He got a new Hummer truck and some throwback jerseys, so he did get a couple dimes. However, he did, and, and when you look back at it, it's like, yeah, they was playing all over the country. His senior year, he only played three games at his, at his high school. Every other game was at the Gund Arena, at some, at Kent State, at Akron. Like, he was selling out college stadiums. And where was all that money going? Because it was $10 a pop. So, you know, LeBron was like, man, if I could go and all do it back again, I would try to control that part of it. So I like how Armani Bates and his people are kind of keeping it in-house. So, you know what? We're not going to a prep school. So what? We're going to do it ourselves. We got base fundamentals. And we're going we gonna to start a base fundamental in Ohio. We're going to get the best players out in Ohio. So, I mean, I like what Bates is doing. Just the fact that he was on the front page of Sports Illustrated as a sophomore. And it was video this, this summer where he's making 40, 45 threes in a row, not missing. Do you know how impressive that is? And he's got some edge to him when he plays. He's getting air ones. He's screaming, ah, yeah, what's up? Let's go. I love it. I love it. I just hope that I can see Amani Bates do this for four years in the state of Michigan. Because the state of Michigan, we need, we need it. We need it. And to say that there aren't players in the state of Michigan, we got no more player in the country. So you can't say Michigan don't have players anymore. Yeah, we do. We might not have the all-star pros right now, but they coming. Amani Bates going to be there. Ty Rogers going to be there. Hopefully, you know, I like Ty. Just hopefully he grows. But you get what I'm saying. It, this, it's still some high-level players in Michigan. So, you know, come get with us. Come to the Mitten and come get with us. You feel me? Because we got them here. So that's just, you know, uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about uh, high school-wise was a mighty base being on front page of the Sports Illustrated. That's crazy. Okay, you have some commitments. The biggest commitment that I thought in the last couple of weeks has been Window Green. Window Green commits to Eastern Kentucky, and I, I like that for him. It's it's kind of it's it's mid major. It's not mid major plus. It's not low major. It's mid major, which means he can have an impact. And, and what I'm thinking, what he might do, he might go there and he try to turn it out for a year or two, and then try to find a different situation uh, at a higher level school. Uh, but I'm glad he, he found a spot. He found a fit uh, at Eastern Kentucky. I think he's going to do great things at Eastern Kentucky. I think he's going to have a great season for Lala Muir. Uh, they, they're always going to be ranked top 10 in the country. They're going to play the best teams and the best players around. And to have a Division One guard that's already committed, he, you don't have to worry about him trying to go out and get buckets. You have to worry about him going out and, and doing his thing, per se. Because uh, kids will do it. I've seen it. I've seen kids get jealous of other kids trying to go out and do their thing so they can get scholarships and get offers. Newsflash. Recruits, if you didn't already know, if you don't have any offers going into your senior year, you they not coming to the games. 
They're not coming to the games, especially here in Michigan. They're not coming to see you play. So unless you average something stupid, ridiculous, like 30 or 28, 9 and 9, where people have to come see you play, like, all right, the numbers he's putting up, I got to go see him play. If you're not doing that, the offers you have going into your senior year, you need to really focus on those. You need to really focus on the teams that's giving you the attention before you go into your senior year. Because if you think you're going to play a whole senior season and you're going to have such a phenomenal season that teams are going to contact you after the season is over and offer you isn't a place you want to be. And this is why. Because they are recruiting somebody before they offered you. If they offered you in April after you didn't have a full high school season they already saw you play why did they wait till april to offer you who left who transferred who got hurt who committed to another school i couldn't have been your top guy top guys are signing early if a school wants me to be their guy, if I'm their guy, if I'm really their recruit, they're going to get me to sign early. If they're not trying to get you to sign early, you ain't their guy because they trying to get somebody else to sign early. I'm just telling you from the college coach perspective, this is how college coaches talk. If we're not trying to get you in the fall to sign early, then we really ain't on you that hard, especially if you're a senior. If you a senior and we still waiting, whether about all we're going to offer, we'll still come to games, you ain't hiring our board. Now, there are some schools who just, you know, at the Division II level is different because if you if you offer early and they don't commit, they can go to another school, they can go Division One. There's a lot of things in play. So a lot of Division II schools, it's hard to get guys to commit early. If you can get guys to commit early like Fair State did, they had Reese Havels in, commit early and they had Jimmy Schuler commit early two big big wings and big players for them big big time signing for them Reese Hazleton I've talked about him on this podcast you ain't heard him but that kid can flat out go six seven can do it all if you're not like Fair State and you can get guys to sign early a lot of division twos they wait late because they know there's gonna be somebody left that everybody slept on there's gonna be somebody left that was dissing Division Two when all the Division Ones went another direction. Now, I'm not saying for you to wait so that you can go to Division Two. What I'm saying is the Division Two schools have guys that they're recruiting. And if you're on their radar, they're trying to get you in the fall. They really are. And if they don't get you in the fall, then that means either they're going to up the heat during the season or they're going to start focusing their efforts somewhere else because they know we probably can't get this kid. This kid is probably going to go Division One, or he don't have the grades. He's going to go Juco. Not quite sure if we're going to get this kid. They really want you to sign early so they don't have to recruit during the season. They can focus on their teams. So that's just how Division Two works. Division One is a whole nother animal. Whole nother animal, dang, recruiting seniors. They not. They recruiting juniors, sophomores, and freshmen. And if you ain't got that offer by your senior year, good luck, buddy. Wish, wish you well. I wish you well. So here in Michigan, we're starting practice here pretty soon. We haven't started yet here in Michigan. The rule is you can't start to the second week in November. So you start to see some teams now. They're starting to get their workouts in. Open gyms are done. They're getting the tryouts in. And practice is starting uh, here pretty soon in Michigan. I know in Ohio and Indiana, they've already started a week or two. And they're probably going to be starting playing games before here before Thanksgiving. Uh, but here in Michigan, per se, you know, high school is just starting up. 
And I would I would like to give a shout out to all my high school coaches here in Michigan. I wish all of you guys luck. Do not call me for help because I'm not helping you. Don't call me for advice. Well, I mean, I'm, I might answer the phone for some advice. But if don't call me to be on your staff, don't call me to be a consultant. I'm taking this year off. I'm going to do some shooting workouts. I got some guys I'm invested in that I want to see to I want to improve their shots. So I'm going to be spending some time in the gym with some guys, but I'm not doing no team, nothing. I ain't nobody coached it. The school I work at, the kids want me to coach there and they just can't. They're just baffled. Once they look up, once they Google me, because you know they did. Once I tell them, you know, I'm not just yo dean of students. Like I actually got game. I actually can coach. I've been coaching for 15 years. They Google me and they like, oh man, you like legit? You for real? I'm like, yeah. Well, why you ain't coaching us? Nah, I'm good. You can't even be in school uniform. I can't get you out of the hall to go to class, which means I'm not going to be able to get you to run this play. I'm not going to be able to get you to execute when I need you to execute. I'm not going to be able to get you to practice when you need to be at practice. If you can't go to class, how am I going to be able to get you to go to practice? So they want me to coach. I ain't coaching. I might peek my head in on a couple workouts and practices, but don't call me, man. I'm taking a year off, spending time with my family. My boys is getting bigger and might take them to a couple games this year. We'll be watching a lot of basketball for sure. And I will be going to more games, but I ain't coaching. So, you know, high school is picking up here in the state of Michigan. Good luck to all my high school coaches this year. And if I can give any advice to high school coaches, load your schedule up. Stop. Don't duck nobody. Play the best. Play the best teams that you can play because there's only a handful of them. No matter the class, A, B, C, or D, it's only a handful of good teams. And whatever league you play in, there's only a handful of good teams in your league. There's going to be three or four teams in your league that you're like, why are we even playing this game? Like, it's not even worth us going over here, getting on the bus, traveling to play this game against a team that, like, it doesn't give us any competition. So load up your schedule. You need to be playing in the Horatio Williams Classic. You need to be playing in the Red Hawk Showcase out east and out west in Grand Rapids. You need to be playing in the tip-off classic. You need to be playing in the Motor City Round Ball. You need to be playing in the Michigan Invitational for Inside Prep Sports hosted by TJ Kelly. You need to be playing these venues because when you have multiple games in one day, there's no telling who's going to be in the building. There's no telling what coach is going to come see you play. There's no telling what scout is going to see you play. Because I'm going to tell you like this, if you're on any, any bill with Amani Bates, it's going to be plenty of people and plenty of coaches. But Amani Bates ain't the only good basketball player in the state of Michigan, guys. We have a lot of very good ball players in the state of Michigan. Just look at Jalen Terry. Jalen Terry and Ernest Stannis at Flint Beecher, you know, they got a chip on their shoulders because they haven't won a state title yet. And Jalen Terry, who was supposed to go to Michigan State, decommits. His, his recruiting is open. So Flint Beecher, if you playing them, it's going to be some coaches coming to see Jalen Terry play because he's a high major player. This ain't a guy that's going to gonna go low major. He's a high major player. So it's going to be plenty of coaches watching him. It's going to be plenty of coaches watching Pierre Brooks Jr. and Frederick Douglass out of Detroit. And they're loaded. They got 10 guys and they're ready. They're ready to take on the PSL. Come on, Cass. Come on, Rennie. Come on, Persian. They ready to battle them all. And I'm putting my money on, on Pierre Brooks Jr. I am. He's going to score 60 points this game. This this one game this season, he's going to score 60, 50 to 60 points, and he's going to make seven or eight threes. Just ask who his shooting coach is. 
I'll wait. But anyway, here in Michigan, you got a lot of good teams. You need to be playing in these classics. You need to give your team as much exposure as possible because when March hit, you only get one loss. So you better be ready for March. Whether your league makes you ready or your schedule makes you ready, if you're in Michigan and you're coaching high school basketball, you need to be scheduling the best games you possibly could schedule because it's going to help you in the long run. It's going to help you in March. And if you're looking to win any kind of championship, that's the only way you're going to get it done here in Michigan. So some PSL teams. So I want to talk about some teams that you need to be taking advantage of and watching here in the PSL and in the Catholic League because I've spent time in the Metro Detroit area. That's where I live. And we're going to start off with the PSL. So a couple teams you need to be watching. The, the PSL team to watch for this week, I just mentioned them a few minutes ago, is Frederick Douglass. And Pierre Brooks, the head coach at Frederick Douglass, had a chance to talk to him today. Uh, he feels very confident about team about his team. He has three or four guys. Donovan Peoples is one. He's a lefty. He's a shooter. Gliak, you need to be on him. Uh, that you need to be paying attention to. But he he got more than that. He got a 6'9 sophomore. He's got one of the best juniors in the state, which is his son, Pierre Bricks Jr., who's getting offered from everybody in the Big Ten. I bumped into him at the chicken joint, and they having chicken with the head coach at Northwestern, uh, Collins, and his assistant. Sitting there having fried chicken. I mean, that's the, that's the thing that we do in Detroit. We're going to eat some chicken with JJ's, Captain's, New Wave, you know, Gus's Fried Chicken, we, Manhattan's. We're going to get us some chicken, man. We're going to get us some chicken. So, coaches, you come in the city and you want to find out where we eating at, we either eating at Coney or a chicken spot. So, I bumped into him, you know, eating at the chicken spot, which thing to do. And, you know, just doing his due diligence, talking to the recruit. And, you know, he's being recruited by everybody in the Big Ten. And Frederick Douglass, they're not a perennial power in the PSL. They've had some early success. But I think this is going to be the year for them. This is going to be the year for them. They had a really good showing in cross country. So their guys are in shape. They're in the gym. They got the gun. They're working out. That's the team, I think, personally, and you need to be watching out for in the PSL this year is Frederick Douglass and particularly Pierre Brooks Jr. You need to be watching out for him because I'm telling you, he's going to be getting loose. The Catholic team, Catholic League team to watch this year uh, to start off with, and I'm going to talk about Orchard Lake St. Mary's. They, they've got three, uh, three or four uh, high-level recruits. I mean, you talk about Lauren Bowman, who's committed to Wisconsin. You talk about Julian Roper. His commitment is open, but he's getting offers from everybody in the Big Ten and the Midwest and the mid-major level. They've, they've got some recruits. You got the Drake kid that's a sophomore who's really good. You got Kareem Roser, who's going to be a really good sophomore, plays with base fundamental. That's Imani base point guard in the spring and summer. They've got some pieces. They got some pieces, and this should be the year for Orchard Lake to win it all. UAD is going to be down this year. Catholic Catholic Central is going to be down this year. So who else is who's going to be the team to beat? The teams to beat in the Catholic League right now. I'm telling you, Orchard Lake St. Mary's. This is the year for them to win the Catholic League. And if they don't, I need to be looking at Coach Marcus Webster. Like, what happened? You got all the pieces. You got all the players. You got six nine Africans. Why y'all ain't winning the Catholic League when UAD is down? When Catholic Central was down because they had a senior laden team last year. Come on, man. What's the deal? Like, they, he used to heckle me all the time. I heckle him. Like, what's the good? What's good? 
And that's my guy, Coach Marcus. That's like my basketball dad, you know, for, from Reach. He's an assistant coach at Orchard Lake St. Mary's. They got a whip. They got a whip, man. They got a whip. That They should run through the Catholic League. There isn't two, two teams in the league that can compete or two guards that can compete with Julian Roper, Kareem Rozier, and Lauren Bowman. I mean, that's a three-headed monster right there. You ain't guarding them. One of them guys you're going to slack off of, and they're going to give you a bucket. So you need to watch Orchard Lake St. Mary's this year in the Catholic League. So, I mean, each week I'm going to give you a PS, a different PSL team to talk about, a different Catholic League team to talk about here. And uh, the last thing I'll end up with, uh, Horatio Williams. Horatio Williams always puts on a huge tip-off classic, and this year it's going to be held at Southfield A&T. On Saturday, December 14th. Now, I'm going to call off from work. I got to tell the boss, which is my wife, uh, December 14th. Can I be at the gym all day? I'll take my son for the majority of the day. When it's time for him to take a nap, I'll bring him home and I'm going back. Because you have one, two, three, four, five, six. You got six or seven high-level games, high-level players. You need to be there. It's at Southfield A&T on Saturday, December 14th. <clears throat> you need to be there. You need to be there and book it. The first game, Detroit Persian versus Wall Lake Northern. It's the first game of the day. It's at 1130. Detroit Persian is going to be young still this year, but they got some players. Little Twig Hill, the head coach there. His son is a sophomore. He's a killer. He's already got a, uh, a Division One offer from UAD, even though UAD is just throwing out offers to anybody. That, that's a side note. Detroit Mercy, stop just offering everybody, build some relationships, get some coaches from Detroit and your staff, and stop just offering anybody can play. But that's a side note. Anyway, Detroit Purge should be really good. They, they got some really good young guards. They, they learned through the fire last year, and this year they should be able to take control. Detroit Persian is going to be good. They're going to be young. They're still going to be young because they, they got their best players, only sophomores, but they're going to be young. So that's the 11-30 game. The one o'clock game, you got Western International and Detroit Edison. Detroit Edison, the last couple years, has done really well in Class B. They won it. If they didn't win it last year, they won it the year before. They got some really good players there that, that are still there. They're still remaining. They're still there. Detroit Western, I saw them last year play uh, St. Clair Shorts. They had two juniors, sick eight kids, and they had a really good freshman, sophomore guard. So one year removed. They should be better players. So that's going to be a nice little matchup. Edison always has players. And Detroit Western, coached by uh, Derek McDowell, legendary coach in the PSL, that's going to be a good early matchup. The 230 game, you got Detroit Cast Tech versus Macomb, Dakota. Detroit Cast Tech brings a lot back. They're led by Kyle LeGreer, a guard who's committed to go to Detroit. Uh, I thought he should have ended up in the GLIAC, but he's still committed to Detroit. It's a good spot for him. Uh, you got uh, Isaiah Sanders on that team. You got Tyson Acuff, who was a high major player on that team. Look for Cast Tech to make a run in the Class A rankings this year. And the last couple years, they've been number one ranked or top five ranked last couple years, and they just haven't got it done. They've won the city title, but they can't get to the States. They stumble somewhere in the States, even though the best teams in Detroit always play the best teams in the district. So, I get that, but I would like to see if Cass can actually make a move this year. Macomb, Dakota, they have Chris Rollins' uh, uh, brother there. He's he's a player. The Rollins kid can play. 
Uh, so I'm looking at the Dakota, and they have another six, seven kid, long, lanky kid that plays at Dakota. They got some players. That's gonna be an interesting matchup at two thirty here at the Classic. The next matchup, you got Waterford Mott and Ann Arbor Huron. So you're probably like, who's that Waterford Mott? Like, why am why am I thinking about Waterford Mott as them being a player? And I'm pretty sure that's the school Isaiah Jackson goes to. Isaiah Jackson is a five-star. He's going to commit this week to either Syracuse, Alabama, or Kentucky. And he goes to Water Vermont. So that's why they're on there. And Aubrey Huron, they have a guard by Julian Lewis. Uh, his brother plays at uh, Wayne State. High-level player. He's been offered. He plays for Reach. He's been offered by everybody in the Midwest. Pay attention to Julian Lewis. They have some other guards. They got uh, Devin Womack. He's a good player on that team for Ann Arbor Huron and Water Vermont. That matchup is going to be a good one. The next one, you're talking about a heavy hitter. This is a heavy hitter right here. 530. This is the game everybody needs to be at. Martin Luther King versus River Rouge. You got... Uh, Coach Stone, who's who's turned around the program at River Rouge. And I can't even really say turned around because Mark White did a great job while he was there. Uh, but I will I will say Stone was the one that got him to the, the state championship game, even though they lost. If they just kept pressing, they probably would have won the state championship and they didn't. But River Rouge, River Rouge, even though they had a senior Layton team, is still some players there because they had some sophomores that can go. They had some juniors that can go. And you know, you know Detroit King, when you see them, they're gonna be gutty, they're gonna be gritty, they're gonna check you, and they're gonna play slow. So unless you can speed them up and transition, they're gonna play slow. But Chauncey Willis, Chauncey Willis Jr. Woo-wee, that kid can play. He plays for Detroit King. He's a sophomore. The kid can play. You need to go watch him play him and Omar Ziegler Jr. Omar Ziegler Jr. is a junior this year. He played up in AAU for the Playmakers. This should be his breakout year. This should be a nice tandem in PSL. This probably be the best tandem in the PSL, if you ask me, between Willis Jr. and Omar Ziegler, and they're going against River Roots. That's going to be a dandy. Then at 7 o'clock, you got Ferndale versus Flint Beecher. Now, we just talked about Flint Beecher, how they got Jalen Terry, how they got Ernest Sanders who's committed to go to Kentucky for football. But Ferndale, Ferndale has Colin Ghost, and Colin Ghost is just committed to Siena. Okay, they have, they got the wings, they got the guards, even though Simon Willard ended up transferring to Ipsy Lincoln. They still got plenty guards there and plenty players for Ferndale and Flint Beecher to, can be a high-level game because you got high-level coaches. You got Coach Ron Wickman and you got Coach Mike Williams, two of the most energetic and most knowledgeable coaches in the state of Michigan. And I'm not just saying that because those are my homies, those are my guys. When I sit down, I talk basketball with these guys, great basketball minds. These are two guys that if I was a college coach, they would be on my radar because they not for no BS they're for the kids, and they're going to make sure they teach the game the way it's supposed to be taught. So Ferndale, that's going to be the battle. Ferndale Beecher, the battle with two coaches, with two with, with loaded, loaded the players, players all over the place. Last game of the night, a team I just talked about, Frederick Douglass versus Grand Blank. And the matchup in this game, you talking about Pierre Brooks Jr. going against Ty Rogers, who's the, who is a stud at Grand Blank. That's gonna be a hell of a matchup right there. So I mean, if you can do the thing, you can do the seven thirty thing and, and stay all day. I'm gonna tell you right now, I, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be here. I'm gonna be locked and loaded because I mean this lineup. 
is can potentially be a really good lineup. I'm going to be there. Might even do a pull-up podcast there. You need to be there. That Frederick Douglass Grand Blank game, and we're going to see how, how really good Pierre is, if he can really get it done against Grand Blank. That matchup between him and, and uh, Ty Rogers is going to be a, 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 a matchup to watch. So that's the... The 11th annual tip-off classic uh, hosted by Horatio Williams Foundation is December 14th. It's at Southfield A&T High School, and you need to be there. So that's it, man. I'm wrapping up the first episode, season two. This is what we do. Coach Cam, the coach that knows who's the most. Even though I got a little cold, so I'm a little raspy. I'm a little jaded, gets raspy with it because, you know, it's hoop season, man. You know, buckle up, wear your hoodies, wear your scuddies, put your gloves on because it's cold out, you know, even though I got a little bit of a cold. But it's all good, man. It's all good in the hood. We covered a lot of things this week with the NBA, with college, with high school, with JUCO. I'm excited to be back. I got a lot of content for you guys. Hope you guys tune in. I'm not going to have a specified day that I'm going to drop. It might come Friday. It might come Tuesday. It might come Wednesday. So just be paying attention. You know what I'm saying? I might even try to keep the Friday because I like because it's games popping on Fridays coming off. You know, teams either play Tuesday or Friday. So I might keep the Friday podcast popping so we can talk about what happens during the weekend, the previous weekend and during the week and lead you into the weekend. So I kind of like how Friday works out. Uh, this for this portion and this segment, but I want to salute to my listeners, my new listeners, my old listeners. Welcome back. My name is Coach Cam. I'm the coach that knows hoops the most, and I'm a holla at you player. Peace. That dude, too cool, so smooth with the hoop news. Every week we talking hoops. This is season two, so buckle up for this ride. That's what you need to do, cause we talking hoops. Yeah.